take a look in Ephesians tonight, book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, sound system's a little bit loud this evening, so I'm going to have to get over that, so if I act like I can't think tonight either, I hope you'll forgive me for that. It probably is just more of a habit than anything, not not used to using my brain, but we'll get over that this evening, we'll try and get our mind and gear. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I guess the rain's got everybody a little quiet tonight. That's all right. Thank God you're here. Glad it's good to preach to people and not pews. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see your smiling face or upset face, whatever it might be here in a couple of minutes. I don't know. Uh, not trying to make nobody mad anyway. But we're going to look at some uh, good stuff here this evening. Uh, of course, all of it's good. The book of Ephesians, I really enjoy, so don't want to belabor the point. But look here in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me get my stopwatch going that way. I know to take off and get off with a running start. Ephesians chapter 4, let's take a look and start in verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. Obviously a reference to the things that are before it. The, the couple of verses of the Gentiles walking in the vanity of their mind. Paul said, you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And I probably should have prayed before we got started, so let's do that. Lord, help us tonight. God, I pray, Lord, as we endeavor, God, to make our way through the book and uh, through the book of Ephesians, at least, Lord, I pray that you'd give me wisdom and guidance. And Lord, I've got notes. God, I've got things, Lord, that I have on my heart and mind to say. But Lord, I really pray, God, that you'd lead me, Lord. I, I, Lord, there's folks in this building, God, other than myself. And Lord, those are people, Lord, that have needs. God, Lord, maybe needs, Lord, that they're not even aware of. But God, they, they need a word from you. And I pray that you'd lead me and guide me and help me, God, to minister to those needs. God, I pray that you'd help me to be instructive this evening. God, I pray you'd bless these folks for being here. God, for being faithful. And Lord, help us, God. I pray that you'd help us to get something from the word of God. And we'll thank you for it, God. Pray that you'd get all the glory and honor, Lord, when all is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 4, going back here, he, we talked, uh, tried to teach you basically last Sunday night about this thing of standing in state. We talked a little bit about that, talked a little bit about uh, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. I, I tried to show you from Romans chapter 6 how that putting off the old man is something that is both already done, but it is something that you have to do in your day-to-day walk, putting on the new man. It's something that's done when you get saved in a sense. It's already done, but there's a day-to-day sense in which you've got to, you have to put on the new man. And that new man, as he, as he speaks here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that, that uh, well, verse 22, he says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So that old man, that's something that relates to the old life. It's something that relates to the old way of living. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the moment that you got saved, you were put in Jesus Christ, and it's a new way of living. It's a new life. We sing that song. I said it Sunday night. We sing that song, I'm living in a new world now. And that's all true. And a lot of Christians, whether you're right with God, backslid, whether you're on fire for the Lord or you're apathetic and cold, you're living in a new world. 
the, the doctrinal statement about you is that you're in Christ, therefore old things are passed away, behold all things are become new. Romans chapter 6, it says that the old man is crucified with Christ. Paul said Galatians chapter 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, so forth and so on. But what a lot of Christians are doing is they're going back to the graveyard. They're going back to Calvary and they're trying to dig up that old man. I'm not talking about Jesus, I'm talking about you. You've been crucified with Christ and you won't let dead dogs lie. You have a hard time letting that old life be what it used to be. And the surest proof of that, the surest proof that you can find of that is that folks love to brag about what they used to do in the old life. It's strange, man. We're, we're strange people. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, which wasn't too long ago, I'm still growing up, by the way. But when I was growing up, I was part of a church to where the pastor that I was under, uh, he got saved out of a gang in, uh, off the streets of Washington, D.C., a lot of folks, a lot of young folks, I think, looked at that and saw the glamour of the difference between the old life and the new life. And it was almost sometimes, I don't believe the pastor intended to paint it up this way, but it's almost as if the things of the old life were more glamorous than the things of the new life. And if you're not careful when you begin to talk about what God brought you from, you can be real specific. And there's folks that are sitting around saying, well, I wonder what that's like. Uh, it's real strange to me the things that are the subjects of conversation among Christians. When I stand up here and I preach, uh, I preach often. I, I, I try to say, say something about it. I really don't intend to say something about it on a regular basis, but it, it seems to come out that way. I say something about the homosexuals, and I say something about the transgenders because they're wrong. It, just, it doesn't make any difference how anybody feels about it. Everybody in here, as far as I know, and if you feel otherwise, please don't tell me because I'm going to feel real awkward around you. Amen. Amen. Uh, but as far as I know, everybody in here has the same mindset about that stuff. But on Sunday mornings, I try to say something about that if I feel led by the Lord. And you say, well, you're going to offend lost people. Well, lost people are going to get offended about a lot of things. I'm not out to offend folks. I, I really am not. But I'm not out to compromise about that stuff neither. So anyways... Uh, so I stand up here behind the pulpit and I try to say things about that stuff. But when I go home and talk in the normal day-to-day -day conversation to, to my family, or when I come down and, and fellowshipping with you folks, I don't talk about gay people. Because I don't care. Uh, there's two people right down the street that are uh, lesbians. And uh, I don't broadcast of course I just did broadcast that information but as a general rule I, I I just I don't tell anybody oh there's two 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 queers two fags that live because I don't care it's not the subject of my conversation it's not stuff that I go home and think about it's not stuff that I you understand where I'm getting at so why is it that people that tends to be the conversation of people that's just really strange to me uh that, that is not stuff, I just say this, that's stuff that should not be brought up here at church um, uh, among anybody. That's not stuff that should be going on in private conversation. You say, why? Because that's stuff that all relates to the old life. I mean, unless you're happy about it. Unless you, glor unless you glory in that stuff, 
Right? You see what I'm saying? All that stuff that's associated. Boy, it got real quiet there, and I don't know why. I don't want to know why. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what to do, man. You start preaching about that stuff and saying quick glory in it, and man, the whole congregation gets quiet. What makes a preacher wonder? I am still at People's Baptist Church, right? Amen. Amen. So I don't, why, why talk about that stuff that took place in the old life? Uh, there, I got saved as a young man. I got saved as a young man. Believe it or not, there was a period in my life where I backslid. I guarantee if you got saved at a young age, there's a good chance you backslid somewhere in your life for an extended period of time. I did the same. I listened to some secular music, developed a habit of listening to some secular music. I don't talk about that stuff. You say, why? Because I got something better to talk about. I got a Savior that's worth talking about. I spent about an hour today talking to Brother Mike about some stuff over in the book of 1 John. Man, I'd rather talk about that stuff than what took place in the old life. You say, well, you were saved. That's new life. No, that's all stuff that's associated with the old man. I have no interest in talking about that stuff. What's so attractive about that kind of life? I, for the life of me, don't understand. And it scares me. I'm going to just tell you, it makes me real nervous when young people in a church begin to be more attracted to the old way of living or to the way that reprobates used to live and then how God saved them. They're more concerned about their B.C. days, before Christ days. makes me real nervous when young folks are more attracted by that stuff. What that tells me is that if I had to take a guess, if I pulled up your cell phone and looked on Facebook and Instagram and all that other stuff, that tells me that there's probably a whole lot more of that stuff on there than you'd like to admit. It goes true for, for not just young people. That goes true for adults alike. Why wallow in the hog pen? That's the old life. I don't want no part of that. Listen, I, I remember, I remember listening to trash. You know, I never went out and got drunk, thank God. Never did some crazy stuff. But to me, listening to bad music was horrendous. But I did it. Talked myself into it, talked myself... But see, I'm not interested in wallowing in that stuff, not interested in glamorizing that stuff. Uh, I got in church and began to listen. I got in church. I learned about that stuff in church. I made the comment the other morning. I think I was looking at Brother Spike when I made the comment. I learned in church what Freebird was. Sweet Home Alabama. I never did drugs, but I learned all that stuff from church people who were still interested in wallowing in the old life. You say, what's going on? Hellions. Backslid. Now the thing is, well, we're not trying, we're not trying to bring in Freebird yet or bring in Sweet Home Alabama yet. The thing that we're trying to do now is bring in all the contemporary garbage that has the same beat, has the same feel, it has the same spirit. It's just got different lyrics. I made this comment the other night about, or the other morning about the, whenever it was, about the Irwins. That stuff gets under my skin, man. I mean, that's about as blasphemous as it comes. I just, it's wrong. It's wrong. I'm not going to change my mind about that. And bigger than that, the Lord's not going to change his mind about that. This southern gospel music is, is straight out of hell. 
There's been a lot of folks. I, I got a lot of itches tonight that I'm going to scratch just for a little bit. There's a lot of folks that came out of this that were in the Southern Gospel industry. Guys like Squire Parsons and Dottie Rambo, who was not spiritual at all. But they wrote some songs that were pretty good. But I wouldn't touch those folks now with a 10-foot pole. I don't think Dottie Rambo's even alive. But Squire Parsons himself is not all that great of a Christian now. Listen. Look at your associations. Look at your associations. Look at who people associate with. Amnon had a friend. His name was Jonadab. Amnon had lust in his heart. The guy was a pervert. Jonadab allegedly was not. There's nothing in the scripture that indicates that Jonadab was a pervert himself. But he was the guy that put Amnon up to what he wanted to do. He was the guy that helped push his conscience over the edge and say, it'll be all right, do it this way. He didn't have to tell Amnon what to do. And that thing ended up in a, a woman getting seriously abused. Look at your friends. Look at your associations. You're not going to tell me that you're going to hang around a long-haired hippie and that not rub off on you. You're not going to tell me that you're going to hang around somebody that listens to country music and rap music, which rhymes with something else. Amen. You're not going to tell me that you're going to hang around all of this old crowd, all of the people that used to live the way that you used to live, and you're going to live this new life. You're not going to do it. It's not going to be done. It's not going to be done. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I'm just scratching a little bit. But it's true. It's true. Amen. You don't want to hang around with that, with that old... Quit talking about the way that you used to do things. Don't glorify that stuff. You was in a mess when you got saved. I really, for the life of me, don't know why I'm on this, but I believe I'm, I believe I'm right where the Lord wants me to be. You was in a mess before you got saved. You was in a mess when you were backslid. God brought you out of that garbage. Why do you want to associate with that stuff anymore? Leave it in the grave. Bible says in, in Colossians, it's either chapter 2 or chapter 3. He says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. I'll tell you what's going on with a lot of Christians. They're like Lot's wife who's leaving Sodom and Gomorrah and her heart's set on all that trash that's down there, stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the new life and turning around and God's turning people into pillars of salt. Spiritual life is just drying right up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Drop off the old life. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's where we're at in Ephesians chapter 4. See, there's a lot of doctrine. Listen to me. There's a lot of doctrine in Ephesians chapter 4, but doctrine preaches. You understand what I'm saying? We go through here and for the last several services, and I, I, I'm not ashamed that I've done it. I'm not anything like that. All I'm saying is you, I've been through here for the last several service going through teaching you line upon line, precept upon precept, trying to get you an understanding. 
But those things are things that are to be forced. And I don't mean forced on you as far as bending you against your will. What I'm talking about, that's a, those are forceful commands that mean something. You take the information in and you see the way that God wants you to live. Now you've got the, the responsibility to be the doers. Doers of the word. Okay, I had an old way of living. I used to think this way. I used to have this thought process. Now I'm going to put those things aside and there is a new life for me to be lived. That old life didn't get you nothing but sorrow. It didn't get you nothing but depression. It didn't get you nothing but discouragement. Now you're in a new life. Live the new life. Let God give you victory. Let God give you joy. Let God give you peace. That's where it's all at. That's where the power is. It's in the new life. It's not in that old life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's in the new life. Praise the Lord. Feel pretty good this evening. But he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, verse 24, which, is af which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying. So what we're getting ready to get into is the specifics of how to put on the new man, what, what it is that you're, what conduct, what conversation am I supposed to have that is defined as putting on the new man? See, we, we, a lot of folks will go to the extent, a lot of preachers will go to the extent of saying, this is what you've got to do. You've got to put off the old man and put on the new. But that's where things stopped often. We're going to stop right at telling people you need to live right and you need to get all that sin out of your life. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul is very specific. As, some, I've, as I have some relatives that say, Paul was very pacific. He's very specific about how to put on the new man. And look at what he says the very first thing. This is so wonderful to me because it rakes my hide over the coals. First of all, he says, wherefore putting away lying. Not that I have a habit of lying, but he says, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for remembers one of another. You know, the very first thing that Paul deals with in spe specifically in putting on the new man is a man's mouth. That's wild, man. That's wild to me. Boy, that's very convicting. You know what? You want somebody to know that you're a Christian? You know how people are going to know that? It's not by your quote-unquote conduct or I'm just going to live it in front of them. It's by what you say. Yes, sir. You know how you could tell that the church at Corinth was so carnal? I just read it today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, now I beseech you, this is verse 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith. You know how you can tell that somebody's got strife in their heart? You know how somebody, you can tell somebody's got envy in their heart? You know how you can tell somebody's got bitterness in their heart? It's by what they say. That's what gives away a person's carnality. It's by your mouth. It's by what you say. You know how you can tell somebody's walking in the spirit? It's by what they say. You know what I find very interesting in the book of Acts? Every time somebody gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, everybody says. Well, not everybody. A lot of folks say, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know how you can tell that people are filled with the Holy Ghost? They get boldness and they open their mouth for Jesus Christ. 
And so the first thing that Paul begins to deal with when he talks about putting on the new man deals with a man's mouth. Deals with a man's mouth. People say actions speak louder than words. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. I believe actions do certainly mean something. You can say something and do something totally opposite and all you are is a hypocrite. But I don't believe actions speak louder than words. I believe words speak just as loud as your actions. Listen, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, that means something. You make... <clears throat> I can get a whole lot of amens on that, so I'm going to belabor the point. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold and blah, 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 blah. I don't mean any dis disrespect to you ladies or to the marriage vows, but I just don't know how to quote all the rest of them. Is that okay? Y'all about to fall asleep anyway. I'm going to just preach anyway. I'm going to preach to a bunch of wooden Indians. Is that okay? <laughs> but you say, well, it just doesn't matter. It, it's not a, actions speak louder than words. Well, I, I dare say that that stuff that comes out of your mouth makes a difference. You stand there, you take a vow. That means something. It means something. If it didn't mean something, then why don't you just shack up with her? Which is what a lot of folks are doing. And by the way, that's not a marriage. I'm about tired. Uh, now, one of my, I, I'm going to scratch another itch. I'm about fed up with this foolishness that Dr. Uckman, one of my favorite Bible teachers, can I just say names? Thank you. Appreciate it. Dr. Uppman believes this. He believes that marriage is flesh joining flesh. That is ridiculous. That is stupid. Think about it. Don't think about it too much. But flesh joining flesh is not a marriage. There has to be a commitment somewhere. The Bible is very plain that if there's no commitment and it's flesh joining flesh, it is fornication. End of story. We will cover that at some point in perhaps an adult Sunday school class. That's right. That's ridiculous. That's foolishness. I don't even know how I got off on that. But nonetheless, we're talking about putting on the new man. Oh, we're talking about the importance of words. Talking about the importance of words. If words didn't mean anything, why all the vows down at the marriage altar? If words didn't mean anything, what's that big contract you sign when you take out a mortgage on your home? That means something. That's all words. Pull out that pen and you write, sign your name to those bunch of words. That means something. That's, that's connected. That's connected with them actions there. What are you going to do? Walk down, you're going to walk down to a bank and rob the bank ahead of time and then say, well, I, I, I was taking this as a mortgage. No, you transact all of that business with words, you doofus. Right? Amen. Amen. Y'all wake up a little bit. Y'all make me nervous. I'm going to call 911 here in a second. Make sure y'all still awake. I think we got some dead folks in here. I see dead people. Y'all laughed because y'all watched that movie, didn't you? <laughs> the walking dead, they're at People's Baptist tonight. Words mean something. I'm just picking at you, but words mean something. 
They, they absolutely mean something. And so when the Lord begins to talk about putting on the new man, first thing he attacks is your words. First thing he attacks is your words. Take your Bible and look in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Feeling a little ornery tonight. Keep you on your toes. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Look here in verse 1. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. You know what he's getting ready to talk about? He's getting ready to talk about somebody putting their foot in their mouth while they're in the house of, the, uh, in the house of God. Look at what he says. He's talking about giving a sacrifice of fools. That's not something that you bring. That's not something that you do. It's something that you say. That's a sacrifice of fools. Why is it, why is it that the dumbest people are always the people that want to talk? You ever notice that? The people who ain't got no sense, they ain't got nothing to say. They're the people that want to say something. That says something about preachers, by the way. But that's what the Lord chose. The Lord chose, us, chose the foolish things. The Bible said, a fool uttereth all his mind. That's right. That's what God chose. But we got a good subject to talk about, God's word, right? So, but he's, he's talking about the sacrifice of fools. He says, verse 2, he says, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God's in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. You know why folks talk so much? You know why folks talk about so many foolish things when they come to God's house? It's because they forget who they are and they forget who God is. You forgot your place. People say dumb stuff. In God's house. They stay. And listen, I just tell you, I understand. I fully understand that God's house in the New Testament is God's people. But I look at this building as something that's holy. And this is not for common purposes. You wouldn't bring uh, a jug of liquor in here. I mean, if you got any sense. I mean, these days people try to burn the church down. I mean, because they ain't got no more sense than Adam's goat or whoever, Job's turkey. But you wouldn't, of course, I don't know, some folks let their kids run around and just do whatever the blazes they want to do in church, in the building. That's strange to me. That, that just seems a little bit rash. You know what rash is? That's not the thing with all the bumps. That's fast. Making a hasty decision without deliberation. People tend to move around the church just without really any consideration for where they're at. Kid, kids do that, and that's responsibility of mom and daddy to help them understand those things. Well, I've seen some adults, man, move around just addle-brained about where they're at. This is a church. This is a church. It's a building that we come and meet to for a specific purpose. I don't believe there's anything holy about this building. Well... Help yourself. When you have a church, you let people drink liquor in there if you want to. Amen. Amen. Let, let all the girls wear squealing tights. You know, the ones that somebody had to hold so that they could jump off the bed to get into. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Still here. 
Be not rash with thy mouth. Well, if, if we don't let all that stuff go on in the house of God because it's the house of God because we know who we are and we know who God is, why would you be hasty with what you say? Let me say something about preaching along those lines. You know, preaching is one of the most grave businesses, gravest, grave. It's one of the gra most grave businesses that there is. Here's a guy standing up here getting ready to say something to represent the Lord a certain way. My soul. Do you understand the pressure that's on that guy? Do you understand the pressure that's on you to receive it with the right attitude? To take it like the Bereans took it and go home and search the scriptures and see if those things that have been said are really true? That's what we do here. That's the business that goes on here. You go down and get your oil changed and get your tires taken off and put new tires on. And you go home and if there's a problem, boy, you come back to that place of business and say, hey, you didn't do that right. Well, you treat God's house that way. Preacher stands up and says something and you just take it for what it is, which I, I hope a preacher is trustworthy enough for you to trust. I'm not saying anything against that. What I am saying is, Take it with a lot of levity, do you? I hope not. It's grave business. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God's in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. You wouldn't get in the presence of a president. Maybe you would with Biden, because some of you don't like him. But, maybe, but as a general rule, you don't get in the presence of a dignitary king or queen, some sovereign, you don't get in their presence and shoot off their mouth. Why? That's the king. Why would we do that in the presence of the Lord? Get in and talk about foolish stuff, just crazy stuff, off the wall stuff, talking about the old life. That stuff don't have no place here. Amen. Amen. Don't have no place here. Amen. Well. For a dream cometh through a multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. That's how you can spot a fool. That's how you can spot a guy who's got a mouth rash. He talks too much. I, 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 I believe it's right to let kids have their own personality within certain limits. Okay, you asked for it. You sat there and stared at me, so let me chase this rabbit. <clears throat> I believe kids are supposed to... People are people, regardless of what age they are. You take a little two-year-old, lay it in your arms, there's not much personality there, unless you're Amber Grant's daughter, Bailey. That girl is loaded with personality which they're probably at home listening tonight. My soul, man, that is, I thought Lois had a lot of personality when she was growing up. That, Lois didn't hold a candle to Bailey. Bailey acts like she's two going on 23. But as a general rule, you've got a two-year-old baby sitting there, not a whole lot of personality. The older they get, the more they begin to develop their personality. That's something that has to be guided. It's something that you have to train. It's something that you don't have to make sure that it doesn't turn into something that's just crazy. And one of the things that I believe with all my heart you have to temper is that mouth. Amen. I got two kids. I got one kid who is very quiet, and I got the other two that love to talk. 
my soul. And some of the time I get on to them just because I'm tired of hearing people talk. I sit in this office and you know who talks to me? The Lord. You know how loud his voice is? That loud. You hear that? That's what I listen to all day. And so when I go home and start hearing, make me want to chew my fingernails off all the way down to the quick. Some of that's me. Some of that is just, you better learn to control your mouth. The New Testament calls that temperance. Is there anything wrong with talking? Is there anything wrong with talking too much? That's throughout the entire scripture. You've got to temper that thing. You've got to be very careful. You know what I've noticed? I'm just running rabbits now because I believe the Lord wants me to do this. You know what I noticed? I noticed this about myself. A lot of times we talk not because we have something to say, but because we're nervous. Just trying to fill in the blanks, man. Just making sure there's no dead air time like they say on the radio. Boy, it, it was an adjustment trying to learn how to preach for me because I live my life, man, just whoosh. And then you have to get up here and say something for at least, I mean, at least however, however old you are. I mean, every year you are old, that's how at least, at least how long you should preach. You say, where'd you get that rule? I just made it up. I mean, you make up your own rules about your life. Of course, y'all didn't think that was too good. Tonight, I'm going to go double because y'all so quiet, man. But I tell you, on a serious note, we'll get on with this. I'll tell you, on a serious note, you're going to have to temper that thing. You know what happens when you begin to let your mouth roll? You begin to let out information that you shouldn't let out. You know, there's some things that you know that you really shouldn't repeat. Things that you know about other people. Things you know about you. We've been talking about that for the beginning of this message. There's things that you just shouldn't say. Just leave it alone. And I, I'll tell you, especially Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. Speak every man truth. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Let me ask you something. The things that you say on a daily basis, do you absolutely know that they're true? I mean, if you limit it, if you cut out everything out of your day-to-day -day conversation, if you cut everything out that was hearsay or something that, well, I think this is true, but I'm not exactly 100% sure, if you cut all that stuff out, how quiet would you really be? You know what a lot of Christians do? They just repeat things that they heard from old so-and-so. You know, oh my soul, you know what's killed more churches than liquor and adultery and so forth and so on? People saying things that they shouldn't say. Now I, will, I will jump on the other side of that and say, people are going to do that. You're going to have to learn how to deal with that stuff. Get on your knees and pray God will kill them. I don't know. It's better than being bitter about it. <laughs> At least you'll vent for a little while. God, I pray you'd kill them. Put a noose around their neck and choke the life out of them before I do. 
<clears throat> I'm beyond trying to get y'all to laugh at my jokes. I'm going to just start laughing at my own. All right, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Look in James chapter 3. I'm telling you, there's something. There's something about your words. There's something about your words that carries a lot of weight to them, more than you realize. Much more than you realize. Look in James chapter 3. And look in verse 6. The Bible says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. I really wanted you to take a look at that phrase right there in the middle. It says, So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. Your tongue defiles your body. You say, In what way? Whatever way you can imagine it to be so, I suppose. All I know is that the Bible says the tongue defiles the whole body. Amen. You know, I can't help but wonder if the reason that a lot of folks go through the health problems that they go through is because they're talking about stuff they have no business talking about. First of all, it's not true. Maybe it's true, but it's just impure. Hold your place there in James chapter 3. Look over in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Man, the Lord has really helped me with this verse I've always known that this verse is in the scripture, but boy, the Lord has really impressed this upon my heart. The uh, Bible says, out of the, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I feel like I've quoted that about 15 times within the past week. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's coming out of your mouth, there's a whole lot more of that down in that heart of yours. So if you're complaining, there's a lot more in your heart. If there's bitterness and backbiting coming out of your mouth, whole lot more in your heart. If there's joy and rejoicing, a whole lot more in your heart, right? Okay? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the place where a man thinks is in his heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it stands to reason that what you're thinking about, you're going to talk about. Right? Right? Make sure you all still here. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You think on these things, that's what you'll talk about. You'll talk about things that are true. You'll talk about things that are honest. You'll talk about things that are just. Queers and dykes and fags won't be the subject of your conversation. Somebody brings it up, you'll say, hey, that ain't right. And that's all that needs to be said, right? I'm not curious how they're living. I don't want to know nothing about them. I just don't care. You say, why? Because I'm more interested in thinking about things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. Good report. Hey, man. But no, I'd rather wallow in the mire like an old sow. I'd rather be like a dog going back to his vomit and waller in that stuff. And so you begin to look around and say, all these people here at the church, man, they're just bad people. All these people that live in my home, man, they're just wicked people. They're just mean. They're just so unkind. That's because they live with you, sucker. You've heard the illustration before. You look out of a window 
You look out a window. Of course, you can't see out this window because it's got all this gloss over it, whatever. But you look out a window and you see, man, it's bad and it's bad and this is wrong and this has got a spot here and this is messed up here. And it comes to find out it's not all that stuff out there. It's your cotton-picking window that needs to be cleaned. It's your perspective. I'm telling you, man, we talk ourselves into a frenzy. You talk yourself into believing some things that just really ain't true. And if they are true, what are you going to do about it? Oh, the world's coming to an end. Well, at least you know where you're going. I mean, if you're doing something for Jesus Christ, you're going to go out to meet him and get rewards for it. Praise the Lord. I love life. I'm not asking for an atomic bomb to be dropped on Folkestone, Georgia. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you're a Christian... Shouldn't there be some joy somewhere? Shouldn't there be some peace? Shouldn't there be some satisfaction somewhere? And if there is, why isn't it coming out of our mouth? Eh, Because we're too busy being mad all the time. And that's what comes out. Just mad about this and mad about that. And ready to bite this person's head off. And this person did me wrong. And this person, well, okay. Go suck your thumb. Come to my house. I still have all my passes from my childhood because my mother saved them for me. You can have one. Okay. Maybe she didn't give me those, but I've got Ezra's and Lois's and Samus. We almost gave, I think, Ezra his last night. But anyways, I'll, get, I'll let you borrow his. Ezra, you got any problem with letting somebody borrow your passy? He looked a little attached to that. All right, let's move on before we get too embarrassed. There's something wrong with your spirit. Listen, there's something wrong with your spirit that's connected with your tongue. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. You know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? Now listen to me. You know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in spirit. Perverseness in your tongue. Perverseness is not like pervert like offender perverseness is rebellion it's being forward it's that it's the attitude of you can't tell me what to do it's unyielding that's that's the word i was looking for unyielding look it up in webster's dictionary because webster's infallible just kidding but you look it up in webster's dictionary that's what perverseness means it's unyielding the bible said perverseness right there in the tongue it's a breach in your spirit now, when you get ready to, if you're in the military or you're on a SWAT team, we didn't have any of these at the prison. I kind of wish we did. But they have these what they call breaching charges. And it's a little thing that you put on the door, and it's got a circle around it, and you push a button, and you better get away in a hurry, and that thing will make that door explode. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. That's a hole. You make a breach on something. You make a breach in the waters. You're separating the waters. Perverseness right there, it's a breach in your spirit. Anything can get in and anything can get out. You ever notice somebody that's got an unyielding mouth? That's one thing you've got to deal with kids about. Get a hold of that. You better get a hold of that before they turn into adults. And listen, I'll stop here and I'll make this comment. I'll say this because I believe this is true with all my heart. Mamas and daddies, a lot of the perverseness that you see out of your children, they're learning it from you. 
One thing that I have, I, I just talked to my wife about this today. I said, one thing that I, I believe we've got to be very careful about is when one of the children begin to argue with us, there is no argument back. Stop. What happens is a kid, you tell a kid something and they begin to argue with you about it. And the moment that you begin to argue back with them, you're telling that kid, okay, I'm engaging in this argument. It's viable that we're beginning to argue. You better be very careful about that. I understand trying to reason with kids and trying to, uh, trying to teach them, to train them. You don't want your kids to grow up to just do what you tell them to do just because you've told them to do that their whole life. You want them to know why. Why do we do things? Why do we go to church? Why do we get up and <clears throat> make our bed if we do? But why do we do those things? You want them to understand why. But boy, what, what you see, what you watch, you watch it in your own life. Watch it. You begin to deal with your kids and your kids begin to get this sass back to you. And instead of correcting it, you get sassy back with them. You're teaching them. You're teaching them to be sassy. You're going to have to learn how to deal with that with a cool head. And if that means whooping them with a cool head... Whoop them with a cool head. Amen. I hope I was clear about that. I think I was. But I don't know, but I feel like I just need to hang out here for a second. You see this boy right here? This is my boy. This is, this is uh, uh, well, anyways, this is my boy. We'll just leave it at that. This is my son. This is one of my sons. Oh, obviously, everybody knows that. Him and I are not on the same level. We're not cohorts. Now, he acts like that sometimes, and I act like that sometimes because, believe it or not, I like him. <laughs> I really do. I like all my kids. There's another one out there. How about that? But we're not on the same level. And so when I say something, if I get some sass back, no, sir. Let's stop right here and let me explain something to you. Don't you forget who you are and don't forget who I am. You got something that you feel like you need to say? Say it. Maybe, maybe I'm giving you instructions and I'm not informed about something. Okay, inform me. See, I'm not unreasonable. You shouldn't be unreasonable neither. But one thing I'm not going to take is, Well, so-and-so does it this way. Well, you're not old so-and-so. Not going to engage in that kind of conversation. My soul. Y'all look like y'all ate a bag full of persimmons. What's the matter with y'all? I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to confuse you. I, I believe that this is something, boy, that you've got, you better pay attention to because you're going to let things come out of your mouth and what you're doing is you're teaching your kids to be Unfortunately, just like you. So correct it. You correct it in your own heart. Trust me, I've been through the conviction already myself. You correct it and then train your kids to do the right thing. It's a breach in spirit. Perverseness therein. Perverseness therein is a breach in spirit. You're opening up, you're opening up things and you're letting bad stuff out and you're letting bad stuff in. 
The Bible says in the book of Proverbs again, a man that has no control over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. You say, what is that? That's a breach. Yes, sir. I believe I'm right where I need to be. <clears throat> Your kids do something that you don't like for them to do, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the method of correction. And so you fly off the handle and you lose your ever-loving mind and you are going to communicate to them who the boss is, which needs to be done. It needs to be done. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the manner in which it's done. Now listen, let me be a little balanced about this and say, if you try to communicate to your children that I'm your boss like Joel Osteen, they are not going to take you seriously. But at the same time, Bible says in the book of Ephesians, I, I believe it's in Ephesians and Colossians both, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. You know how you can provoke your children to wrath? Be wrathful with them. Yes, sir. You better be careful about that. You, you better be cautious about that. Uh, take your Bible and look in the book of Job. Look in the book of Job. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten onto my children and had to go back into the, my bedroom and get out on my knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry, because I had no justification for getting on them. I was just felt inconvenienced. I weren't doing anything wrong, just mad. And I will tell you kids, if your mama and daddy do that, you should do what they said. It's their house. Well, I don't like mom and daddy's rules. Well, grow up, get 18, and move out. Amen. And then you're going to find out when you have to make your own rules, you'll have 16 hellions that want to do it against your rules. And then you'll be just as upset and frustrated. Amen. Welcome to life. Look at Job chapter 26. Look in verse 1. But Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? To whom hast thou uttered words? And whose spirit came from thee? You know, when you open your mouth, when you open your mouth, there's a spirit that comes out with that. Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. You go back and look at that in the book of John, that is not a capital S. It's a lowercase s. They are spirit and they are life. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the power of the tongue. When you get ready to open your mouth, see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Here you sit and you've got something in your heart and you say, well, it's already in my heart. I might as well just let it out. What you don't realize is that the moment that you let what's in that dirty, rotten heart of yours, the moment you let it come out across your lips, there's a spirit that's gone out. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews, he talks about there's a root of bitterness that goes out and defiles many. How's it do that? You get somebody that's mad and bitter about life, and so they begin to shoot off their mouth about what they're mad and bitter about, and all these other people say, 
Some of the reason that some of our kids, I'm just making a general statement, some of the reason that our kids in this society are so jacked up is because their parents are absolutely clueless. They complain all the time. Well, you've taught your kids that there's no reason for living. Why should they not commit suicide? You're not satisfied about anything. Maybe if you had a smile on your face once in a while, maybe your kids would be happy to exist. I mean, some folks, you've got to tie a pork chop around their neck to get a puppy to play with them. Well, I mean, your kids are not going to grow up being real cheery. I tend to fall in that category myself. Hey, quit having fun. Makes me angry. Whatever. Look over in Ephesians 5. I'm telling you, it explains some stuff. It explains. That matter, you open your mouth and there's a spirit that comes across your lips. And boy, that thing is infectious. It's going to start getting all over, folks. Well, I done preached too long. Look here in Ephesians 5. We'll close. Look here in Ephesians chapter 5. Look in verse 11. The Bible says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. That's why I made the comment. I get up here and I reprove that stuff that has to deal with homosexuality and all this transgender stuff. Hey, you run across that stuff in your life somewhere, uh, come in contact with somebody that's engaged in that stuff, and you've got to reprove them? Reprove them. Leave it alone at that. Because the Bible says it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. You realize that you can say some things uh, even in this church. It's a great example. You can say some things in this church and buddy boy it create a bad spirit. What is that? Weird, weird, weird. You got to be careful. You got to be very cautious. Anyways, watch your mouth. Well, we didn't get very far. Ephesians chapter 4, one verse. I don't even remember what verse it was, but one verse. Wherefore, first thing he deals with is your mouth. Putting away lying. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. Hey, watch your mouth. Be careful. Be careful. Lord, help us tonight, God. Lord, I don't believe in my heart, God, that there's one of us sitting in this.